Hey everyone, this is James Wilson and welcome back to another Bike James podcast. Today we are going to be talking about isometrics, one of my favorite training tools and subjects. And specifically, we're going to be talking about three different ways that you can use isometrics in your training program. And so isometrics are one of the most effective training tools that you have in your toolbox. They're uh, you know very effective at building strength. They're extremely safe. And there's a lot of research behind them with some you know, surprising benefits to them. Like, for example, one of the things is isometrics can actually help lower blood pressure, which is kind of counterintuitive, but studies have shown this to be the case. And so there's a lot of, of you know, straightforward and kind of some like hidden unexpected benefits from isometrics that, uh, that you get. And so that's why they're such an important part of your, uh, should be an important part of your training program. And if they're not part of your toolbox, they should be, okay? And they're also extremely versatile. And that's what I wanted to talk about today because you can use isometrics in different ways to accomplish different goals. And so again, like I said, I wanna share three different ways you can use isometrics to help you get better results from your training program. So the first is by themselves. You can use isometrics by themselves to increase strength, uh, uh, isometrics have been shown to help improve your, your muscles' ability to uh, metabolize oxygen, which is you know the basis for your, your your cardio and aerobic fitness. And so there's again a lot of benefits to that, but you can use them, like I said, by themselves. They're extremely convenient. There you can use them at home or wherever you're at. If you're traveling, they're a great way to keep up your strength and fitness while you're traveling because you can use them with very, very little equipment or really no equipment at all. If all you have is your body weight, you can still get a good isometric workout in uh, with just your body weight. So when you do use isometrics at, by themselves as just a, a, a way to improve your strength and fitness, you want to make sure that you are addressing both yielding and overcoming isometrics. So there's two different types of isometrics. You want to make sure that you're addressing both of them. So overcoming isometrics are where you are pushing into something that isn't going to move. So imagine like pushing into a wall, right? Like you can get, you know, all your chest and your triceps and your shoulders and all your muscles are, you know, your pressing muscles are pressing as hard as they can, but you're not going to move that wall, right? Like not most likely. And so uh, that is an overcoming isometric. You're creating tension to try to overcome something and push into something that you know that you can't move. If you're going to do overcoming isometrics, one of my favorite methods is the ramping isometrics, which is the method I use in the atomic strength training program, which is the, the mountain bike specific isometric training program that I've created. And with ramping isometrics, you start out with 30 seconds at 50% effort, and then you immediately ramp up to 20 seconds at like 75, 80% effort. And then finally you ramp up to a final 10 seconds at 100% all out tension and effort. And this is a great way to kind of warm up into the tension and also increase your time under tension. And so it's a, it's a great training method and a great way to uh, use overcoming isometrics. The other style is yielding isometrics. And with yielding isometrics, you are trying to hold a position against something that's trying to push or pull you out of that position. So imagine just holding like a body weight squat, right? Like you go down to, you know, to where your thighs are parallel with the ground and then you hold that position. Now, gravity is trying to pull you down. And so you're resisting gravity. You could hold weight or add a band or something to increase 
the resistance or whatever is trying to pull you out of position or push you out of position and you are trying to resist that. So again, if we are imagining like the chest press example, right? We talked about pushing into a wall for an example of a overcoming isometric, a yielding isometric might be where you, uh, you know, get some, some dumbbells and you press them out to the halfway range of motion, right? Where your, your upper arms are parallel with the ground, which tends to be the weakest range of motion in, in your pressing. And so, and you, then you just hold that position, right? And so again, the weights and gravity are trying to pull you back down to the bottom of the rep uh, or the bottom of the range of motion, but you're holding that, that middle part of that range of motion, uh, or where you're weakest, right? And so that would be a, a yielding isometric or where you're trying to resist something, trying to pull you out of position. So there's two different ways that you can train your chest slash, you know, horizontal pressing muscles with isometrics, you know, pressing into something that's not gonna move and then trying to resist something that's trying to pull you out of position. And so those are the two different kinds of isometrics. Now, if you're gonna use yielding, uh, I would say holding for 30 to 90 seconds in general is gonna be, best. You can certainly make that longer, uh, especially if you're kind of limited to just body weight. You may find yourself having to hold some positions for several minutes to try to get a training effect, but you can certainly uh, do that, right? And a great way to build mental toughness, man, trying to hold your body weight squat, the bottom of your body weight squat for 90 seconds or more is pretty tough. And again, it it, uh, actually helps build some mental toughness uh, as well. So um, if you're doing your isometrics by themselves, right, you wanna pick one exercise per muscle group or movement pattern, however you're kind of dividing things up, just one exercise per, uh, per thing, and then one set to failure. You don't wanna be doing multiple sets of isometrics, you wanna be giving one all out effort. And so what I tend to do is have a workout where I'm just focusing on overcoming isometrics and I'm using the ramping isometric method. And then I have a workout where I'm focusing on the yielding isometrics and I'm using bands or weights or, or just, you know, gravity to, uh, to create that yielding, uh, effect that I'm looking for, where I'm just trying to hold a position for, uh, you know, 30, 60, 90 seconds or more. Right. And so that's how I typically use uh, isometrics by themselves. If I've just got an isometric workout, like I said, I'll tend to focus on either yielding or overcoming. Certainly you can mix that up as well. There's nothing that says that you can't, but that's just how I tend to break it up and look at it. So that's the first way, right? And, and, and the most straightforward is well, using isometrics to improve your strength and fitness in a safe and effective way just by themselves, right? Now, another way that you can use them is as a warm up or activation technique. So they're a great way to get ready for your workout as well. So uh, you can use an isometric hold of the exercise you're going to do. So for example, if you're gonna do a deadlift, you could just do an isometric deadlift, either uh, you know I, a ramping or overcoming one uh, or yielding one, either one's fine. Um, I would probably lean more towards the, uh, like the ramping isometric style where I'm kind of ramping up the tension with it. And again, when I'm doing this, I'm not going, even my 100% It's not quite 100, right? Like I may just cut out at 80%, right? Instead of doing that last 10 seconds at 100%, if I'm doing a warm up, then I would just do the 30 seconds at 50% and then 20 seconds at 80% and then call it there, right? Because I'm not trying to get a training effect from this. I'm just trying to warm myself up. I'm just trying to get the muscles that I'm gonna be using activated and primed for me to go and do my, my deadlift, 
right? Now, another way that you can use them is as a kind of quote unquote isolated isometric, right? To target an area that you need to be turned on for an exercise. So again, going back to our deadlift example, let's say that you have trouble keeping your posterior chain, right? Like all the muscles running along the backside activated. You just, you know, from years of years, years and years of riding in the saddle and, and having the adult fetal position and you develop, you know, just this bad habit of, of rounding your back uh, when you're moving. And then, you know, so you discover Bike James and he tells you you need to stand up more. Don't rely on the adult fetal position as much. You need to start doing some strength training. You know, deadlifts are great to help work the hip hinge and the movement that you're using on the bike. And so you go in the gym and you start to work on that, but you just have this problem still, right? Like your, your body's just been trained to deactivate the posterior chain and overactivate the, uh, the front side, right? The anterior chain, all the muscles on the front. And it's just how your body's learned to move from years and years of bad posture and bad movement patterns. And so uh, a way to help uh, you know, fix that is to do an exercise to help activate that posterior chain. So for example, a really good one is to use uh, something uh, you know, like a back of the neck exercise, right? So you can take like a, a towel or something and hold uh, the, you know, you got your hands in front of you and you got the towel wrapped around the back of your head. And so you're able to push into the towel and the towel's not gonna move, right? Like you're able to, to hold that, you're not gonna break the towel with your head. And so this is a, a way to use a, a, uh, an overcoming isometric, right? The ramping isometric style. And so you can, uh, you know, do that where you're driving your head back into the towel. Now, again, if you're doing this properly, you should feel the entire posterior chain, right? Your, your upper back, your, your low back, even your glutes start to activate to, to, to stabilize your, your neck so that you can create this tension through your head and neck, right? Now, your neck is, becomes a problem when it's trying to be strong by itself. When your neck is, is tied into your whole body, right? Especially that posterior chain and the whole posterior chain is helping to support the neck then the neck can be very strong. And so this is, you wanna, you know, this exercise is great overall just for improving neck health and, and posture and stuff. But if you do this exercise before you do a deadlift, you've effectively turned on the posterior chain. You, you've, you've gotten the tension levels a little higher there. You can feel those muscles a little bit better. And so now when you go over and you start doing your deadlifts, now you can feel that posterior chain locked in a little bit tighter and you can resist that tendency to deactivate it and and slouch over, right? And so by by targeting a muscle, by by looking at okay, I tended to do this during an exercise, you know, this is and now well, what's causing that? And a lot of times you have certain muscles that are overactive and other muscles that aren't working as much as they should, and that's creating these imbalances and dysfunctional movement. Well, you know, besides stretching and getting the the muscles that are too tight and are overworking to relax some, turning on and, and increasing the tension levels in the muscles that aren't doing their job properly will help as well. And so you can use isometrics to, to you know, once you've identified uh, a, a muscle group or, or whatever that's not doing its job properly, then you can have an isometric exercise to isolate that, turn it on, and then it'll integrate easier into the overall movement, right? Like another good example is hip flexors with squats. A lot of people struggle with deep squats because their hip flexors are, are tight and immobile 
and they're not able, they don't work like they should to help pull you into the bottom of your squat. And so by doing, actually doing a hip flexor isometric before you do a squat, you'll find that you're able to pull yourself deeper into a squat with better position than you did, than you were able to beforehand. So again, isometrics are a great way to just act as a general warm up and also to help specifically turn on muscles that you need to activate before you do your workout to help you get more out of your exercises. Because remember, the whole point of strength training is to improve how you move, right? Like getting stronger should be a byproduct of improving your movement quality. You're, you're moving better. You're able to produce more tension. And so these are the things that lead to strength gains. And But if you're just in the gym and you're just chasing strength gains without paying attention to how you're moving and actually having your primary focus being improving how you move, then you can uh, actually start to set yourself up for injuries. And this is where you don't see as much transfer to the bike because doing crappy deadlift form to try to lift more weight isn't going to transfer over to the bike like we want. We want you to be moving better through your deadlifts and that better movement is what's going to translate over to your bike and help you there. So um, isometrics are great for, for helping you with that. And so, um, again, if you're, you know, 80% effort or less with those, uh, that is the important thing if you are using them this way because you're not trying to get a training effect. You can actually kind of cause a problem, right? Like if you, uh, you know, work the muscles too hard and now they're fatigued and now they're not able to contribute like they should, you can actually set yourself up for an injury during an exercise if you overcook it and you overdo the isometric. So again, just keep that in mind. You're not trying to go to 100%, you know, taking it to failure when you're doing it as a warm-up or activation technique. So that's only when you are using them by themselves as a way to get stronger. But if you're integrating them into your, wor- your warm-up in some way, then you want to keep that intensity level at 80% or lower. Right? And so finally, the last way that you can uh, use isometrics in your training program is to integrate them into and combine them with your regular exercises. So there's a couple ways that you can do this, right? <clears throat> One way that uh, a lot of people uh, may be familiar with is to pause at the bottom of an exercise. So again, say you're, you're doing a squat, you come down to the bottom of the squat and you hold that position for three to five seconds, and then you come back up, and then you squat back down, you hold that for three to five seconds, and then you come back up, right? And so at the bottom of every rep, you are pausing for three to five seconds. Now again, with deadlifts, this is a little different because you're at the bottom of the range of motion, you're putting the weight on the ground, and so what you would want to do is is hold the weight just slightly off the ground. Don't let the weight actually touch the ground if you're gonna use this method doing deadlifts. And so, uh, again, you're not gonna use a whole lot of weight with this. You may actually find it easier to use um, kettlebells instead of a barbell for this, but you're, but, but just make sure that you're not losing that tension because that's the whole point is you're trying to keep the tension and, and maybe even increase it through the isometric hold at the bottom. And so if you just drop the weight on the floor or, you know, for example, if you've got a really deep squat and you're able to get to the very bottom of it, and and kind of relax, then that's not what you want to do. You want to make sure that you are stopping in a position that's difficult for you to hold and requires you to create tension while you're doing it, right? And so uh, again, holding for three to five seconds at the bottom of each rep is a great way to do that. This has a couple of of, uh, effects for us. One, it increases the time under tension 
in a weak part of your range of motion. Okay, and time under tension, how much time your muscles spend under tension is one of the most important factors when it comes to what kind of results you're gonna get from your, your workouts. And so by increasing that time under tension, especially doing it in a range of motion that you're weak with, you're gonna see in a, a uh, you know an increase in, in results from rather than just like bouncing in and out of that bottom position. Now again, there's a there's a time and a place for that, but a lot of people need to work on what's known as starting strength, right? And that is where you take away your muscles' uh, elastic response, right? So basically, when your muscles lengthen, they store energy kind of like a rubber band, and if you immediately reverse direction after they've lengthened, you can use that stored elastic energy to help you during the lift. But if you pause at the bottom and you hold it for that three to five seconds, that elastic stretch goes away. And so now your body can't use that elastic stretch. It has to just use muscular force to get out of that bottom position and and get into the next rep. And this is called starting strength. That's your ability to create tension without that stretch reflex helping. And for us as riders, it's really important. We, we use a lot of starting strength on the bike because we don't get to move and load things the way that a lot of other athletes do. And so that requires us to have to use a lot of starting strength when we are moving on the bike. And so for a lot of riders who are listening to this, you would actually benefit more from doing something like this and adding these pauses at the bottom of your reps and working on that starting strength than you would by continuing to bounce in and out of the bottom of a rep and just trying to add more weight there, right? So again, going back to like, you know, I've I've got a a post on my blog at bikejames.com about why I hate the term strength training because it gives people the idea that your idea in the gym is to get strong and strength should be a byproduct of what you're really there to do, which is to move better. Right, And so if you're moving better and you're able to produce more tension, then strength will come. But if you're in there chasing strength, then you can totally miss out on the things that are actually going to help you on the bike. And so this is one way to help you make sure that you're not doing that. Um, Now, along with that, there's another method that you can use that's actually even a little more brutal than that. And that is to add a a, uh, 10-second hold at the beginning and end of a set. So for example... You're gonna do. Uh, we'll come back to. We we'll use uh, you know a split squat for example, right? Or squat, whatever. And so what you're gonna do is you're gonna lower yourself down to where your knee is about at 90 degrees, right? So this is gonna be a little bit above, like thigh being parallel, and that is generally the, your weakest range of motion in a, a squatting movement. And so you're gonna hold that position for 10 seconds, and then you're gonna do 10 reps, right? 10 regular reps, you know, steady pace. And then when you're done with your 10 reps you're going to go back down to that same position and hold for you know 10 seconds at least if you want to hold a little longer if you've got the 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 tension there then you can but you know try and hold for at least 10 seconds at the end of your set as well and this can be even tougher if you don't allow yourself to get all the way to the top and bottom of your range of motion you use a, a method uh, known as tempo training where you are just in constant movement and you don't let yourself 
get to a position where you can lose the tension. So, you know, uh, you, you get to the top of the squat, you don't quite lock everything out. You stop short of lockout, which keeps the tension on the muscles and you immediately start to lower yourself back down. And again, you don't come all the way down because, you, you know, you're going to lose tension. And so right short of getting to the bottom, you immediately reverse direction, start coming back up. Now, this doesn't mean moving fast, right? This is a constant, you know, think like, you know, kind of a two second up, two second down, but not allowing yourself to stop and to uh, and to reach a point of your range of motion where you take tension off the muscle, man, you've got the isometric, you've got that tempo training, and then you finish off with another isometric. Man, your muscles are under tension for a long time. And again, that time under tension is a huge factor for what kind of results you're going to get. So this is a great way to work on strength endurance, which again is a big factor on the bike. It's one thing to be strong, but to have the, in, the the strength endurance to be able to use that strength time and time and time again is another thing. And so this is a great way for you to safely work on building that strength endurance in the gym. Uh, so there you have it, man. So there's uh, three different ways to help you uh, integrate isometrics into your workout program. Uh, they've got a lot to offer and there's a lot of different ways you can use them. Um, I'd recommend that you add one to two days a week of isometric training into your training program. Again, this is something that you can do at home. A good isometric workout is not going to take you more than, you know, 15, maybe 20 minutes, right? But you, they're not a huge time investment for the results that you're going to get. And so if you're, uh, if you're, you know, currently following a training plan, then it's easy to integrate isometrics in. Just you know, pick one or two days a week. Um, you may have like you know, uh, you may substitute one of your workouts. Right, if you're working out three days a week, you may have keep your regular two workouts, and then your third workout substitute that one for an isometric workout. And so I guarantee you, you're not going to be worse off for doing that. Most people need way more isometric training and isometric strength. They've got way too much of a bias towards movement-based training and cutting back on movement-based training and adding in isometric training will actually help increase your results and improve your strength and fitness levels. Um, so don't, don't worry about not, you know, about cutting back too much on that end. Most people are not going to have that problem. And so if you're, if you don't have a training plan yet, then they're just a great way to start with strength training, right? So like I said, you can do them at home. They don't take a lot of time. They really get rid of a lot of the excuses, uh, that we have for not getting going with a strength training program to help improve our mountain biking. So again, I mentioned it before, but if you need something to start with, I've got the atomic strength training program. That is the only mountain bike specific training program uh, in the world as far as I know. Um, it is a unique training program that I designed based on my own experience and research in this area. And so it's a great way for any rider who wants to start tapping into the power of isometrics for themselves to start using um, isometrics and take, you know, it's just very simple, straightforward program. It takes all the guesswork and what do I do? How do I integrate, you know, use this stuff? Here you go. Here's a workout program that shows you what to do. Um, so that's going to do it for this podcast. Hope you guys have enjoyed this information. Uh, remember, be sure to subscribe and follow me on your favorite platform. So again, if you're watching the video, then subscribe to me on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, subscribe on your, your favorite platform there. Um, and also be sure to share this. This just helps me spread the word, get, you know, help me reach more riders to help spread the word about what strength training can do to help them, uh, you know, just 
improve their their fitness and experience both on and off the bike. And lastly, make sure you follow or you're subscribed to my newsletter. If you haven't done that yet, go to bikejames.com, sign up for the newsletter. That's where you're going to be able to stay up to date with all the latest training tips and programs and everything else that I'm coming out with. So make sure you're subscribed to that. So uh, yeah, so once again, it's been uh, James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems. You can uh, find me at bikejames.com and I will talk to everybody next time.